3: I'm wearing the lap coat for a reason here. I'm, I'm not going to poke you any place you don't need to be poked. So.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about The Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The
2: Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you.
1: I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. At the top of the episode, you heard none other than Dr. Love. Sorry, that's Paul J. Zak, the neuroeconomist you saw last week helping Ben Higgins sniff his way to love. We'll hear more from him later on, but first, let's recap.
2: Yes, more insights from him later. And on today's episode, we're also going to discuss... The wasted talents of two world-class soccer players, the entire house turning without warning into a pack of ravenous hyenas, and Olivia's tenuous grasp of what relationships actually are.
1: Plus, we'll explore which is more painful, having cankles or suddenly losing two loved ones in a tragic plane crash. It's been truly a night to remember.
2: And yes, we are recording this at
1: night. We just finished watching the show. Everything is very fresh. Uh, I have jury duty tomorrow, so we are so dedicated that we're recording at 10.30 p.m.
2: Yes, we're diving right in. Um, I'm almost sort of reeling uh, from the freshness. Nothing's really sunk in. Um, It's
1: just like a lot of bright lights and horrifying images yeah, before we get into the actual events of tonight's episode, I feel like we need to acknowledge just how mean-spirited this group of women has gotten so quickly. We're only on week three. We started this episode with Lauren B. and Amanda talking shit about Olivia. It was oh. really, we began with talking <laughs> shit, we ended with talking shit, it really came full yeah, circle. And
2: most of it in between was about yeah, that talking That was the shit. theme. Yeah. Um, apparently, Olivia spent forty thousand dollars on her wardrobe, according to Lauren B and Amanda. Clearly, they have the good Intel, yeah, they have the inside scoop. So based on that, I also hate Olivia, and I think everyone should too. Um, (laughs) Or they should all borrow her clothing. I know. I was like, you guys need to, like, maybe change your strategy, like, suck up to her a little bit. Like, if there's a good hairstylist in the house, you don't all sit around and be like, oh, I hear she went to, like, beauty school, and now she's really good at doing hair. It's so unfair. No, you suck up to her, and then she does your hair for you. Right. You befriend everyone. That's the key to happiness. These girls are... Like, all 23 and morons, so they don't really understand that. So Lauren B. actually gets the first date, and she is a flight attendant,
1: but she's terrified of flying. Terrified of the tiny plane. Still. I agree. I was a little confused. Like, you you would think that the one woman who wouldn't have an inexplicable fear of heights and planes would be the woman who spends her entire life in airplanes.
2: Right. Like, the thing is, like, a flight attendant nowadays is not just, like, a pretty girl who brings you peanuts, especially because you're not allowed to serve peanuts on flights anymore because of allergies. There are a lot of allergies. Exactly. very dangerous. It's an enclosed space. But also because flight attendants have to be able to, like— in an emergency, they have to stay calm and level-headed. They have to be helping everyone else not Presumably, be afraid of heights.
1: there is a skill set that goes along with being a flight attendant that Lauren B. possesses.
2: Yeah, like being able to, like, calmly activate the escape rafts that allow you to jump off into the ocean far below. Perhaps she was just floored by Ben's all-consuming beauty my guess is that she was pretending to be afraid so that ben will get to act protective which is like a pretty smart strategy because i think
1: he's into that he definitely likes comforting women we learned that this episode he he kind of brings out the best in him actually it does yeah he doesn't really know what to do with himself when
2: he's not being a caretaker (laughs) which you know a lot of women want that so i guess
1: you know props to him for that so they fly off they share some, you know, giggling. They kiss each other despite the fact that they're both wearing helmets. It's a little bit awkward. But in a cute but way. But in a cute way. Because everything Lauren B does, if it's awkward, is in a cute way. She's
2: like a little mouse that turned into a human.
1: But in all honesty, he really seems to like her. I, I think she's going to do it really, really well. And they soar above the Bachelor Mansion, make all the other women inexplicably angry yet again, and then <laughs> go off into the middle of nowhere where there is a hot tub, a jacuzzi hot tub. We did see that product placement, ABC.
2: I, jacuzzi must be sponsoring this whole season. There, there is a been hot tub in every, every Every episode and pretty much every date. Like the theme of the season has been,
1: where do you not expect a hot tub? Here it is. Although you do expect a hot tub in a hot tub store, which is where That's they were. true. You don't expect to get in that hot I tub. I don't expect to get in it. I don't expect to be at a hot tub store, personally. Well, Lauren really likes simple things, Claire. Like Ben. Like Ben and Yards and her dad. Every season, there's always a girl or multiple girls who say that they just really want to marry a man like their dad. And all I hear is, I want to marry my dad.
2: yeah. I feel like it's supposed to be slightly more unconscious than that. Like you go out like looking for like a nice guy and then you look at your husband one day and you're like, oh, like my dad, he has certain values that matter to me. But I'm a little weirded out by the whole like I really want someone who's exactly like my dad.
1: And apparently the only reason Lauren hasn't been, quote, snatched up by a man is because she's so picky and just wants her
2: dad. Her dad. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably not going to work out for her. Um, But Ben does have that sort of paternal vibe. Like, I I feel like maybe it's just that she wants to be taken care of. Um, So their date was super boring, um, except that he told her uh, he really opened up to her about his new storyline, which is that his dad had uh, some heart problems and he
1: had uh, triple bypass which we also he, we also learned that he's the type of guy who gets personal <laughs> calls from his pastor.
2: Yeah, he learned about his dad's surgery from his pastor, and I was like, "Hmm, your mom didn't call you about that one." That's, I mean, he's a man of faith, Claire. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, uh, it's different from how m- you know my family operates and, and Me a lot too, of families. But, but who yeah, am I? I'm. I, it's, you beautiful. You to judge, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful that they have that, and uh, and it made Ben really think about how his father you know and mother could be taken from each other at any moment which is so romantic (laughs) it was a little bit ominous (laughs) and then Ben said you know Lauren B went from being just this girl I had fun with to being the girl I dug deeper with I hear that's what happens when you actually
1: date someone and have conversations with them yeah
2: it's what happens when you like do something fun with someone and then you like have a conversation that's a little more meaningful with them it's so weird and then they just like they change just like that in the (laughs) blink of an eye um, they have a private concert. I don't know. Well, I, he
1: first gives her the rose by thanking her, <laughs> essentially, for allowing him to look at her. He also appreciates her laugh and, you know, Thank all you the other things about me to her. to look and listen. But most importantly, <laughs> I got the gift of looking at you.
2: Uh, I have to admit, I didn't, like, see most of the date, but um, the bits that I did see did not make me want to see more. Um, Because I was kind of busily trying to get ABC to show up on our TV at work and ultimately failed. We had some
1: technical difficulties, but we
2: powered through. Yeah, we watched on a live stream. So we're cool. Don't worry about us. Um, And we moved on to the
1: group date, which was... Amanda, Haley, Jennifer, Shushana, Leah, Amber, Lauren H., Olivia, Jamie, Rachel, Lace, and Emily. And... They got to meet two members of the U.S. women's soccer team, which is definitely the coolest part of this episode.
2: Yeah. And Ben was all like, oh, yeah, sports are a big part of my life. And I was like, yeah, I bet women's soccer is like a really big part of your life. I can tell. Um, But it was like really cool. It was like Alex Morgan, like legit. Like, national women's soccer players. And I was Some like, of the most talented athletes yeah. that our country has. And so, of course, all the women were immediately like, I don't know anything about soccer. And I was like, I hate you all. They were terrible at soccer. It was painful to watch. The goalies ended up being pretty impressive. I mean, but only because the shots were so bad. Like, Olivia <laughs> kept saying, oh, all our shots are on target. But then you know, the goalie comes in and stops it. And I'm like, yeah, just because your shot is on target doesn't mean it's a good shot. Like if you sort of gently tap it forward and it's rolling gently over the bumps in
1: the ground, that isn't really, you know, likely to go in. Well, as someone who is deeply uncoordinated when it comes to playing sports, (laughs) I had a lot of sympathy for them. That's true. But I do. I would look like a fool if I was forced to play soccer on national television. So I thought, you know, I'll give them that one. I, I like to approach these things as a viewer. I was
2: like I watch a lot of soccer on television, so I'm and I'm be amazing. I'm used to it being played at a
1: higher level. And I it's would so like weird them when to you keep go from watching professional soccer <laughs> to watching women who have just been thrown random jerseys and mini shorts and told exactly. to start catching balls. All of the <laughs> clueless references and jokes really I wrote know. themselves.
2: Um, so ultimately.
1: Uh, Rachel, who I f- didn't realize existed. Rachel got uh, a lot of airtime, which made me think she was going to go home, because we had never seen her before. And, yeah, and then she didn't really show up again in the episode, but I think she got
2: the airtime because she gets injured and then Olivia exploits her weakness in order to win the game for the Stars, or the Stripes. The Stripes. The stripes. The stripes. And evil Olivia um, and that's Rachel's whole storyline is getting hurt and being a loser. So sorry, Rachel. Um, so the Stripes get the cocktail hour and
1: the stars go home. And Amber starts whining about her lack of time with Ben instead of actually going and talking to Ben. <laughs> As usual. Emma, and Emily Olivia. goes home with the stars and is like,
2: I know that it's a game and so someone has to lose. And so I guess it's fair I guess, but like I don't like it, and I was like, "Oh, Emily's really growing up today." It's like maybe she's almost twenty
1: three now. Oh, I know, it's so beautiful. It, like tomorrow, she's going to learn how to tie her shoes. Emily and Haley, the twins, were pretty low key this episode. We didn't get a lot out of them. I, I think there's gonna they're going to be involved in some drama next week, though. It, it seems. Well, Thank goodness. Yeah.
2: Um. But the one the the group date at a uh, cocktail hour gets pretty exciting. Because Olivia immediately swoops Ben away
1: and gives all the girls some time. Because (laughs) as Olivia says, there's a mutual understanding that we both need time together. She really is able to read a lot of Ben's thoughts without him ever having to say anything or actually think those things.
2: Like she has picked up that they're in a
1: relationship, for example. Um, Well, I always consider myself to be in a serious relationship with someone that I've spent two hours with. Yeah, well, but it's just that yeah, and she like, knows. look, we've <laughs> maybe made out once, and we talked about some really meaningless things. Like, we're basically on the road to marriage.
2: It's a really sort of straightforward logic, because it's like um, she knows that he needs time with her just the way that she does with him. And the fact that she can pick up on that means that they are really well-suited together, so they must be meant to be together, which means that they need the time together, and she knows that he must feel that way because they're so well-suited. And it all starts becoming this gigantic Gordian knot of emotional logic that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. But she seems to find it very reassuring, so
1: far be it from me to (laughs) interfere. Rain (laughs) on her parade. I know. While Um, she's off with Ben, the other women take the opportunity to be incredibly awful. Well apparently and pick apart her body. Listen. I'm I
2: here's the thing, there's rudeness and there's honesty. And like sometimes women just have bad toes,
1: you know? And like sometimes I just think about your feet, Claire, (laughs) and I'm like, wow, they're probably hideous. (laughs) How how am I in the same room as you? That is
2: why I always hide them, out of consideration. (laughs) And, you know, when I see people who have fat toes or who have cankles, or, you know, maybe they have fake boobs or bad breath, or any of the many flaws that Olivia, the robot perfect woman, has, I feel like it's just a public service to point it out. You know, you
1: hate to say it, but you have to at the same time. Right. Sometimes you just have to tell the truth. Exactly. For the greater good. So these women do that (laughs) because they're great.
2: And it's really great because then some of the women say, you know, oh, I don't really think it matters what her toes look like. That's so petty. Her boobs are fake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's like, focus yeah. on the flaws that really matter. Exactly. Draw a strict line there because you don't want to be petty. Jamie tells Olivia that some of the women were picking apart her appearance, and she refrains from being specific. And poor Olivia starts listing a bunch of things that it, that it possibly could be. Her calves, her cankles other things that could potentially be wrong her, with her center part
2: obviously someone has to tell her it's the
1: center part um i can't be the first person to have brought that up but this kind of brought <laughs> brought up the first moment that i found olivia really likable she just turns to the camera and says am i aggressive yeah do i have bad toes yeah and i found that kind of endearing
2: um so ultimately amber takes ben aside and is like listen I know what I want this time, and this time that I'm on the show, it's right. And he
1: rewards her with the, the group date rose. I am so deeply unimpressed with Amber. She has hugely disappointed me. She is a 30-year-old woman who spends a lot of time picking apart women who are five to eight years younger than her. And her the only ambitions— That she has expressed are to be loved on national television, to be safe in a rose ceremony, and to be homecoming queen.
2: Yeah, like it all comes down to wanting to be ranked favorably, which is a very middle school sort of aspiration that, you know, we all fall prey to now and then. It's a good feeling, but she doesn't seem to be very self-aware or critical of that. She's very... You know, she gets the rose at the group date, and she's like, "This is why I came back to feel safe." <laughs> group after a group date, that I'll have a rose at the rose ceremony. And I'm like, "Do you realize what you're saying? Like, that is the most pathetic thing I've ever heard on this show." And that is saying a lot. <laughs> it's saying a whole lot. It's just like I-, I liked Amber fine before this season, and the Me more too. Sh- the more screen time she's gotten, the, the less m- I like her. It's she's just she came off so poorly in this episode. And that was only the
1: beginning. So now we're going to get into the bulk of what was upsetting both of us during this episode, which is pretty much everything involving the way Jubilee was treated.
2: Yeah, so Jubilee gets the second one-on-one date
1: instead of JoJo or Becca. She starts screaming, gets really excited, and immediately feels the need to apologize for her excitement. Which I've never seen. Like,
2: everyone is always very excited and, every, you know, the girls who don't get the date are, are disappointed. sad and that's fine. That's normal. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean, but, like, uh, I'm just really excited. And JoJo is like, whatever.
1: <laughs> Becca handles it like a pro. Yeah, well, she's been there before. Good job, Becca. Also, before we saw her get the group date, we had a little aside where she was speaking to someone. I think it was JoJo. And was talking a lot about how Ben has a type and it's obviously not her. I do think that it was we saw a little bit
2: of maybe why Jojo doesn't like her because she basically said his type is simple and I'm complicated. And I don't think that you want to tell the women in the house that you're more complicated than them. (laughs) It's usually not a good move. So Jojo like actively loathes her as far as I can tell.
1: I can't tell. She's, She's treated her
2: out. really, really she, – she was one of the most nasty to her throughout the episode. But um, she gets ready for the date and she looks very beautiful. I so related to her when she was waiting for Ben to come and he was a little late and all the girls were just staring at her and saying things like, I'm so jealous. Are you excited? I'm so jealous. Oh, my God. It's going to be so fun. And she's just like, yeah, well, he's, like, 20 minutes late, though. And I was like, that's what I
1: would say. Like, what else are you going to say in that situation? She's making a self-deprecating joke. And she made a few jokes. And the girls did not take it very well. The other women, instead of kind of playing along with it or understanding that, you know, people react to things in different ways and make offhand comments. It's like they'd never even heard a joke before
2: is a thing. Like, they didn't even, right. like, consider it. They were just like oh my God, she's really angry that he's 20 minutes late and she offered the date to us because she's like, oh no, I'm afraid of heights. Does anyone else want the date? Okay, bye. Which seemed
1: pretty clearly to be a sarcastic comment.
2: Yeah, like she didn't really give you guys a chance
1: to take the date. So clearly she didn't want you to take the date. But the other women are deeply, mortally, personally offended by these two comments.
2: Yes, and it seemed like To me, an indication of like the low intellectual level of the group that none of them could grasp the concept that she maybe wasn't serious because that didn't seem
1: to come up in their discussions of what was happening. If a man takes you on a date, you are contractually obligated to be just, you know, so goddamn thankful. That's the basis for a healthy relationship is whatever he
2: does, you are grateful. Or else
1: you're a disrespectful
2: bitch. Yeah. Well, because here's the thing. If you're not grateful, he could just go out there and get another hot woman who will be grateful.
1: And that is actually the foundation of The Bachelor.
2: Yeah. And I'm sorry. Every relationship. And (laughs) listen to me. uh, This is how you end up with a gigantic rock on your finger. (laughs) But Ben actually really likes Jubilee, which I was surprised by because – She seems a little offbeat. She makes these self-deprecating jokes, like sort of deadpan, sort of wry. And And she's a little awkward.
1: She's a little awkward. Which I
2: really, that endears me to someone. I like that. And he actually recognized that That isn't because she's unfriendly or because she's rude. He recognizes that it's because there's
1: more going on inside her head. And I also think that she was able to banter back and forth with him a little bit. And it was the conversations took a bit of a different tenor than his previous dates.
2: I was kind of hoping like when she said that her favorite food was hot dogs, that then like later on in the date, like he would like have ordered Dan a tray of hot dogs. dogs. also she was like my favorite food is hot dogs and she sort of opened her mouth and like slid a piece of food in very erotically i was like okay message
1: received and then ben turns to the camera and goes i'm intrigued (laughs) it's like jubilee is uh interesting she's
2: different she's um so ben likes jubilee and that makes me like ben and then they go in a hot tub, and that is, like, and then they go to move dinner. on, guys. Yeah,
1: they, there's more hot tubs. They go to dinner. <laughs> they have the opening up talk.
2: Yeah, she tells which, them that
1: her whole family died. Which is horrifically Horrible. sad and a really big thing to feel like you have to talk about on a first date with yeah. someone.
2: Yeah. And then and then she and she tells him she feels a lot of guilt connected to that. And he's
1: deeply confused as to what type of guilt. He looks deep into her eyes and he
2: says, what kind of guilt? (laughs) It's like, I don't know, Ben, like survivor's
1: guilt, maybe? Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of psychology? (laughs) Well, then he proceeds to assure her, a war veteran, (laughs) that she has depth and is a strong woman. She's a strong person. Yeah. It's really, really great that this mediocre white man is certain that this war veteran who's put up with probably more bullshit and tragedy than he could even imagine is strong i feel like someone
2: needs to like there there need to be classes that teach men how to have conversations about emotions it's like you can have this conversation without being like i'm about to fix
1: your emotional trauma with my words right you can say Thank you for telling me that. That's yeah. really hard. Wow. That's a that's a lot to take in. Yeah. And back at the house, the other women are absolutely furious that a girl went on a one-on-one date and didn't get kicked out. I'm so I was so confused where the rage came from. Well, I think that they felt
2: like she showed insufficient gratitude. For the date because of the comments about him being late because she said, oh, does anyone want the date? Um, And so they assumed that it would be so unpleasant for him to be in the helicopter with this killjoy that she would not be coming back. And so they they wake up early the next morning. They sneak into her room. They see her lying there. And
1: immediately decide that she's cocky.
2: Yeah, they're like, oh, she's flaunting she thinks, she, her rose she by thinks she's the queen of the of the whole house at this point because she's got a rose and she's just like sitting there quietly. There's a lot of really business.
1: uncomfortable, coded, racially charged microaggressions happening. It's very obvious. Lauren H. keeps talking about how she just doesn't see Ben with someone like Jubilee because yeah. she sees Ben with someone who's just going to really fit in with all the other soccer moms. I I vomited a little as she said that.
2: I, like, couldn't even believe
1: that she was was saying that. On TV. Like, I was, like, I I can't even talk. I think I actually screamed aloud when we were watching that.
2: (laughs) I was, like, is there a woman out there who's really, like, my aspiration as a single woman is to find someone who wants me to fit in with other soccer moms. Like,
1: sure, like plenty I've, of us will I've end up having solid kids. Twenty-five too. years of life, but my real goal is to befriend other soccer moms. Not right. even become a soccer mom. That's befriend the other soccer. It's one thing moms. to be a soccer mom, but if you can't befriend the other ones,
2: then you're kind of a failure. You know, uh, just like not being able to befriend the other girls in the bachelor mansion.
1: So not only. Has Jubilee now been branded cocky and thinks she's the queen during the cocktail party? Oh, my God. The cocktail party was a whole thing. They decide she's deeply aggressive.
2: Well, we have to start with Ben walking in and sharing some really tragic news. Really sad. Which is that two close family friends he learned just that day had died in a a small plane crash. And... Obviously, he's very
1: broken up about yeah, this. You can he's see a little starting sure to in. tear up. That's a really that must be a really traumatic thing to have to deal with when you have to be on camera a lot yeah, of the time. He's that's He's away awful. from his family,
2: and the first thing that happens is Olivia steals him away, and the girls are sort of like, "Oh well, I hope she's going to comfort him." And of course, the first thing that Olivia wants to do is talk about how her cankles. Yeah. How sometimes people criticize her legs and her cankles, and it's really hard for her, and she begins to cry, as one does.
1: Um. About all of the (laughs) blogs that are written about her cankles. About
2: her cankles. And you
1: know what? That sounds really unpleasant. You don't want people picking your body apart on the internet. Both, you know, both you and I write online. We hear people sometimes make less than nice comments about us, you know, on Twitter. But maybe the time to bring that up isn't when the person sitting across from you has just actually experienced tragic loss
2: yeah there's read, like read the room yeah she she's she's a little bit um self-centered I guess would be the word um doesn't I, and Ben actually noticed that <laughs> he's not
1: he's not a quite totally taken in by her spell yeah ben during the rose ceremony was actually the moment that i decided i liked him a little more he recognized that olivia's crying was maybe a little bit off and then when all of the other women start really ganging up on jubilee jubilee pulls him aside to give him a massage because she knows that's something that he loves and he was deeply appreciative of it because he was having a really awful day yeah, and that she, was something she did specifically to make him feel better because she he of what he had told them about the day he was having. But as we know, she broke the cardinal rule of having time with him and having a rose. And the other women decided are that not that was aggressive. It. That is the most aggressive <laughs> thing you could possibly do. And as
2: Amber put it, there are respectful ways or respectable, Res- respectable, ways. respectable ways.
1: Respectable ways to get Ben's attention. But doing something really thoughtful is apparently not one of them. Yeah. But Ben feels responsible for the emotions of the women in the house. As we said, being a caretaker He's brings a out the best in him. He's patriarch. And he kind of shuts down the women being horrible to Jubilee and assures her, hey, I had a great time with you. I like that you make jokes and make sarcastic comments sometimes. And if, you know, if you need that reassurance, come and find me. It was actually kind of crazy because Amber went and, like, tracked down Jubilee, who's crying because the
2: girls are ganging up on her. In front of Ben, Amber's like, listen, stop crying. Listen to me for a second. You
1: need to be more yeah. grateful. We
2: were all offended that you weren't more grateful about this date and that you made those jokes. That really hurt us. Personally hurt Personally. us. And Ben was just like, what the hell are you talking about? He was about? not having it. He's like, please let please let Jubilee make her jokes. And that's when I decided that I
1: might be able to handle. Yeah, ben, that. you can stick around fine. we'll We'll give you another, you know, how many weeks left?
2: Oh God. <laughs>
1: oh, and and Lace left. Right. Just like Lace left, she actually, I guess had the realization that she was not presenting herself in perhaps the best light on national television and decided that there was some work to be done on Lace. I was very proud of her for that. Good job, Lace. Jamie and Shoshana
2: do not get roses. And no one really cares. Yeah, never really felt that attached to them. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: Sometimes there will be something that is just, like, nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and, like, take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been
2: really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. and before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively.
1: Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down.
2: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try.
1: It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just
2: fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge.
1: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp.
2: Visit BetterHelp.com love to see it today to get 10% off your first
1: month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. Looks good doing it.
2: Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.
1: To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout.
2: That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first
1: purchase of $100 or more. Now we're going to share a phone conversation that Claire had with Dr. Zach, a.k.a. Dr. Love, last week. He was the mastermind behind the group date at Love Labs, in case you've forgotten.
2: Hi, Dr. Zach. Thanks so much for talking to us.
3: Hi, Paul's fine. Great. Mm. Happy to talk to you. It was uh, quite an experience to be on The Bachelor for a day.
2: Yeah, well, we wanted to just start by asking Art, like, are you a fan of The Bachelor or did they approach you? How did you get involved in this season?
3: Right. So they approached me. Um, Honestly, I hadn't watched it before, although I was aware of it. Um, I don't watch much TV in general. Um, But, you know, it's great to be able to get people excited about science. So I'm happy to do things on TV. And we spent, um, gosh, a good month designing these three experiments uh, that you barely saw on air. Um, But we can talk all about them.
2: Awesome. Yeah, we have a lot of questions about the experiments because it passed so quickly. Um, But we were also curious about the shoot. Like, you said it took about seven hours.
3: It did. So did you Um, get
2: a good sense of Ben and the girls, or was it more stop and start?
3: No, I got a good sense. Uh, Particularly spent a lot of time with Ben. The girls showed up later, but Ben was there uh, much earlier. Um, Super nice guy, actually. Um, Shockingly, I kind of was, I don't know, you figure out who's going to go on these shows, but he (laughs) was impressively a very nice person, very, he understood it's a very weird setting. And I think he was very sincere, which, you know, I, I think is wonderful.
2: Yeah. Is there any behind the scenes action that we should know about? Of what type? Of any type.
3: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> any interesting stuff that you were surprised didn't make it into the episode?
3: Oh, gosh. Again, um, you know, we were we we're there for an entire day. Um yeah. I mean, I think what's most interesting is that we ran three experiments and all three identified the same woman as the six that we tested as the best match for Ben. So I think that is super surprising. Um, and again, they, on air, they just kind of raced through these, you know, these these experiments. But we actually spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, how we can help Ben make decisions that are very hard to make.
2: Yeah. And did you get a chance to see him, like, interact with Olivia, who did really well, um, as I remember? Uh, Did you get a chance to see them sort of interact outside of the experiment?
3: You know, they kind of limited that interaction, I think. Uh, So the experiment uh, we were on, it was, uh, as you know, episode two. It was the first time he had actually spent time alone with each of those six girls uh, or women, and... um, you know, it was, it was control because you don't want to give one woman like Olivia more time with him than the others. Uh, so because of that, you know, I, I think, you know, they, the girls were doing stuff and they would bring him to see Ben and the girls would do stuff, bring him to see Ben. So, um, yeah.
2: Just like normal dating.
3: Yo, sure. With seven cameras on. All
2: <laughs> so we tried to find love labs and it doesn't seem to exist. Is that true?
3: Uh, that's right. So they created that for the show. Um, I, I am a uh, faculty member at Claremont University and run a 25-person behavioral neuroscience lab, but we didn't do the filming at my lab, where she did it at a, uh, a rented location in downtown L.A. because it was much more dramatic and interesting and, you know, looks nicer than my, you know, scary-looking lab.
2: <laughs> yeah, it looked like something out of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Um, so, how similar is the the work that you guys did with Ben to what you do with your lab every day?
3: I'm um, related. So we, um, our lab was the first to discover the behavioral effects of this neurochemical oxytocin, which is associated with love and attachment and long term uh, bonding. So that's why they reached out to me because we're the experts in oxytocin. And so we want to look at a, a number of factors uh, when Ben met each of these women for the first time. One was whether there was, you know, physiologically an arousal, like, uh, you know, are you turned on by this person? like you know. Um, and the second is, was there a likelihood, was there, was there oxytocin release in the brains? Was there a likelihood of a good long-term attachment uh, going to go on between them? So we, as I said, we ran three different experiments and measured out a variety of different ways. That we could really inform Ben, um, I think, as clearly as possible on what the data showed, and then it's up to him to do what he wants with it. And and you know, I was very clear with him that you know we're measuring you and and these women, you know, three times, but it's three times on one day, and anyone can have a bad day, or you know, maybe uh, I don't know, Haley didn't sleep well or whatever, and so you know, don't overweight it just because you're getting some scientific evidence. It's still a scant amount of evidence. So if you really think Haley is the girl for you, go for
2: it. Yeah. It's interesting because, of course, the show presents it in a very dramatic way. You know, it's announced to all of them in a group. You know, uh, Samantha, you did terribly. Uh, Olivia, you did awesome. And the, the sort of undertones are very competitive and absolutist. Did it bother you to see it edited that way, or did you sort of know that was coming?
3: Well, you know, I mean, it's for TV, right? So you want to make it exciting and dramatic, and we actually presented the results to the women in a group after each of the three experiments. And so um, I guess I can reveal now that all three of those experiments, Olivia scored the highest based on her neurologic data, um, both when she she met Ben, uh, when she smelled Ben, or when he smelled her, and, um, and in terms of kind of visual attention, really focusing on Ben. So, um, again, it's, it's, you know, a small set of observations. But some of this findings in the data actually make a lot of sense. So let me tell you about the kind of key findings, if I can. Um, so in my lab, we developed a measure called ZEST, which is a neurologic measure that measures both arousal and this long-term compatibility likelihood, which is driven by oxytocin production in the brain. And so we measured zest for um, each of the women when they are on the bed with Ben. They had, ben had his shirt off, if you remember, and they had some sensors on them.
2: Oh, I remember.
3: Yeah, okay, you remember, <laughs> you were watching. And uh, and I was directing them to do various things, you know, put their faces close together, look at each other's eyes, hug. And so we um, did this so that we would stimulate the brain to, to see what went on. So Olivia's score on, on that zest measure when she interacted with Ben alone for the first time was 745 Um, everybody else was was fairly far below that. So Sam was 2.42. She just wasn't into it for whatever reason. Again, maybe she's having a bad day. And interestingly, the twins, Haley and Emily, uh, scored 6.72 and 6.87. So they're almost identical. And that's kind of a good gut check, right? So if the Mm -hmm. data were wildly weird, then, you know, why would they have, you know, nearly identical scores?
2: Yeah. It's interesting that Olivia is sort of a um, performing personality, you know, she's a TV anchor. Would being observed for an experiment like that possibly influence how people react in that kind of situation?
3: It does. And, and of course, all of the women had the same kind of influence. And so she may be more comfortable there. But I did get a chance to talk to all of uh, the, the six women alone, And Olivia was very poised, just like you see her on camera, very polished. And um, many of the others were kind of, you know, giddy with anticipation and nervous. And um, um, Emily in particular was, was, as we had to put those electrodes on her her torso and fingers, she was almost jumping up and down. She was just so (laughs) excited. and, and, uh, And she's a little younger and super cute. I mean, you have to just, you know given them a lot of credit for even going on and, and being in this weird situation. Um, but Olivia's just cool. She's like, yeah, whatever. You can put sensors on me. I'm good. Um, so, you know, I think all that is, uh, you know, kind of tells you about their ability to be on air and, you know, not uh, freak out.
2: Yeah. So in terms of the electro test, that was showing more the girls' arousal levels as opposed to Ben's?
3: That's correct right so we did another test we looked at what we call heart rate synchrony so this is actually looking at how Ben and uh, interacting with each of those women alone um, whether their hearts uh, beat in similar fashion so it turns out that when you're around someone you like uh, you begin to mimic their behaviors your language becomes more similar and actually your your brain function becomes more similar so one way to capture that is in what we call heart rate synchrony and this data was not shown on the show so um, I'll share it here for the first time, um, Olivia, again, had the very highest score. That is, um, her heart and Ben's heart were almost perfectly beating in synchrony. So beat to beat, they were almost identical. Um, Haley had a uh, almost perfect negative interaction between her heart and Ben's heart. When his heart went up, her heart went lower. Uh, Amanda, the same thing. Um Emily's heart rate and Sam's were unrelated to Ben's, and Shushana actually had a pretty good positive relationship between her, her heart and Bens. So um, so Olivia and Shushana kind of won on the heart rate synchrony, but Olivia's was much stronger. So again, it's hard to know exactly what that means. I don't want to overinterpret the data. It could be that Livia' just more comfortable being on set, on having cameras on her and bright lights and all that. Or it could be that she really is in sync with Ben in a, in a real physiologic sense.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I wanted to ask also about, you know, the oxytocin research that I've read in the past, and I'm not a scientist, suggests that if you have more uh, intimate interaction with people that you become more closely bonded to them. And since these girls have met Ben before the experiments you know, if he's spent more one-on-one time with one of them versus the others, would that possibly affect the results on these tests? Or are these sort of separate from the question of like how bonded they are through that sort of chemical?
3: What a great science question. That's a very important question. Good for you. (laughs) Um, Right. So oxytocin is released within about two seconds of a social interaction. So If you like that person, if you feel comfortable around him or her, your brain will make oxytocin, and that relaxes you, makes you feel like, oh, this person's fine to be around. Um, So uh, the effect of having a relationship with that person or having seen them in the past uh, is fairly complicated. So at first, um, the more you get to know them, the more you like them, the more you're going to release oxytocin. And that's particularly true when you're sexually aroused. If you're like, gosh, this person's hot, yeah, you release more oxytocin. Um, but over time, like in long-term romantic relationships, you actually release less oxytocin. So uh, because your brain already knows that this is your spouse and you love him or her and, you know, everything's good. Um, so it is possible that the data were slightly um, uh, biased by uh, any of the women who had spent a little more time with them. Having said that, oxytocin is not something you can consciously control. And we also measured this, uh, this arousal response um, which basically all the women had. So they all thought Ben, physiologically, they all thought Ben was super cute. They were, Their heart rate <laughs> went up, they started sweating, um, you know, it was really exciting to be with Ben. But again, it was really um, Olivia uh, and Amanda who had much stronger oxytocin response.
2: Interesting. Uh, so that explains why whenever I'm around like a really hot guy, I get excited, but we never end up dating?
3: Yeah, so you're attractive, but you're like, uh, not a good long-term <laughs> guy, maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: It would be so much fun to measure lace.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a huge missed opportunity.
3: Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the producers blew it there. So she's very interesting. She's provocative. She's um, appealing in many, many ways. Also very focused on the competition. So, you know, what's going on there? Um, we have actually used um, related tests to measure uh, people with psychopathology, uh, including criminal psychopaths. And they fail these oxytocin tests radically, and one of the hallmarks of psychopathology is a lack of empathy. And just from watching the two episodes of The Bachelor, um, is not a very nice person in my view. She, she seems, really seems to lack empathy, and she's um, very self-focused, uh, which we see a lot in psychopaths. So my guess is that she's not going to make up a good long-term mate because she's too hyper-competitive. It's all about her. And um, one of the tests we did that they hardly showed on air uh, was uh, some tests of, of visual attraction. So whether, uh, again, the six women we tested were uh, competing with the other women or were really focusing their attention on Ben. So we did this by having them wear goggles that tracked where, track where your eye is looking. And we can actually analyze how long they looked at themselves, the other women in the group, um, and, and Ben. Ben, and we he put in some of the old, uh, older bachelors from the previous seasons. And sure enough, Amanda and Olivia spent the most time um, looking at Ben and the least time looking at the other women in the group. So um, again, all the data sort of line up to say, Olivia, so far, number one, Amanda, probably a pretty good bet. And... Um, And then there's a a, if we look at the data, there's a big jump down, and the other uh, four we tested were just much
2: lower. Wow. So do you have any other um, opinions on any of the other women from watching this season?
3: Again, um, I think everyone was quite nice. The the women in band were quite nice. Um, I think of all of them, you know, Haley and Emily seemed the most, quote, young. You know, they, they really seemed a bit out of their element, and... I think they're sort of trying hard just to, to hang in there. Um, Sam was disengaged on every level. Um, Shoshana is very nice. She's clearly smart, but she also is a bit uh, felt a bit uncomfortable. Again, I've only seen them on one day, and it was you know early on in the season, so um, she may get more comfortable. But um, again, from the tests we did, both Amanda and Livia seemed super nice, super comfortable. Uh, the cameras didn't seem to bother them. They had fun. Uh, you pick up. Uh, Too much of this, but Olivia has a great laugh, so she was actually, um, you know, really enjoying herself. Uh, She thought it was funny. Uh, You know, put these electrodes on. You know, the the women had to take off their the T-shirts they were worn when they were on the treadmill for the smell test we did, and um, so they're kind of wearing sports bras. And you know, I have to sort of poke around on their collarbone and on their ribs, and she just thought it was a hoot. And you know, (laughs) some of the other women were like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Okay, well." (laughs) I'm wearing the lab coat for a reason here. I'm not really just. I'm, I'm not going to poke you any place you don't need to be poked. So, <laughs> uh, but it could be age. You may, it, there's lots of reasons why, right? Uh, Olivia's a little older. I think Amanda's a bit older than some of the other women. So, yeah.
2: also, news anchors get poked at a lot. They're always getting adjusted.
3: You get, yeah, they're putting mics on you and they're slipping stuff in your shirt, your pants, and whatever. So, yeah, you kind of get used to it.
2: Yeah, she definitely seems like she's she's seen all of that at this point. She's very calm. Um, and uh, and I was curious just uh, too about the sweat test that you mentioned. Is it pretty normal for him to just smell them, or is it usually more of a sweat sample that's isolated from the body? Because I was like, wow, that seems really up close and personal.
3: It is, and we have them smell, you know, both in the in the uh, you know where the glands are in the, in the underarms, but also you know kind of near the groin area, near the hips. Um, so yeah there's certain smells that attract us. So it turns out that uh, long term romantic partners have uh, you know this tissue type, like if you donate a, a kidney or something, so your tissue type uh, should be different than the person you're matched to optimally, but not too different so we we essentially it tells us that we want we kind of want to avoid inbreeding but also not if you will outbreed too much um, so again, that's there's probably some deep genetic reasons for this um, but The test we did was based on self-report. So now here's an interesting little tidbit that didn't get on air that I will share with you. Yeah. Not only did I have Ben smell each of the women after they worked on the treadmill, the women smelled five different men when we were blindfolded. And one of those men was Ben. And the other four were, let's see, what's the nice word for this? Um, (laughs) Sketchy. Uh, one was like super old guy. One was like super fat guy. One was like super hippie hipster guy. Um, it, and um, so the question was, you know, would they, from a smell perspective, be attracted to some other, you know, weird guy? <laughs> so for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, it could be a, a poor experimental design on my part. All six of the women we tested preferred Ben smell to any of the other uh, weird guys. So Wow. Um, that didn't make it to air because it just not doesn't get very interesting. But um, it was sort of fun uh, to, to you know walk each woman uh, near the armpits and the and the hip of these guys and have them sniff. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think that we put blindfolds on. I think they could actually see at the, out of the bottom of the blindfold and they could see either the feet, the legs, or something. And they, yeah,
2: the girls probably looked pretty similar from that vantage point she yeah, has right. a type.
3: So I think the Ben data for the girls was, was you know, fair. But, uh, you know, if you saw some big chubby, you know, legs, you probably knew it wasn't Ben.
2: Yeah, that was probably a bit of a giveaway.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so I think a lot of us watching the show on Monday were a little bit thrown by this whole segment because it felt a little bit... Um, objectifying of the girls and like a little embarrassing for them. And I sort of wondered if, you know, I know that a lot of times, as you've mentioned, it's great to get on the air and promote science. But um, do you worry at all that it might have left a bad taste in people's mouth given how the experiments were framed and and what went down?
3: Um, I guess, you know, you didn't see the seven hours that we shot there and how much we Informed both Ben uh, and the women involved that they were voluntarily doing this, that uh, we're professionals. We do this all the time. And so, you know, in my lab, we study hundreds and hundreds of people a year and we treat them with uh, extreme care and dignity. We make sure that they have a, a great time. And when we do it occasionally for TV, we do the same thing. Um, so, you know, I, what was on air was maybe three minutes. We spent a lot of time talking to them about it, making sure they were comfortable. Um, so I don't think it's objectifying. I think it's really just peeling off another layer of why do we like who we like? I mean, it's I have teenage daughters, and, and you know, I talked to them about this. And I said, you know, the, the heartbreak in your life is going to be when you are crazy in love with someone and they're not in love with you. And it's, it's just an awful, awful feeling that, you know, most of us have been through. And so to the extent that we can help Ben kind of avoid that, um, particularly when there are cameras on and there's a big incentive for, for each of the women in, in The Bachelor to say, yes, Ben's the guy for me because everyone's watching. Um, I don't think that's you know what we're doing. I think we're trying to provide Ben with just one additional piece of information among lots of information he can use to make a better decision. So, I guess the pregnant question is, should I do this when my uh, my daughters are still young teenagers? But when they start dating, should I test the guys they're dating?
2: Yeah, I want to know if this service is available, actually, for sale. Like, could I bring in my fiancé and get us tested? And now, welcome to Feminism Fails, where we rate the most cringeworthy anti-lady moments of the week on our very own patented Feminism Fail Scale.
1: One, you do you, bro. Two, that's questionable. Three, not cool people. Four, the 1950s are back. Five, gender equality is straight up dead. And now, on to our Feminism Fails. God, this week was such a disaster. It was rough.
2: So most of them are related to Jubilee. So first of all, Amber says that Jubilee should just be grateful for getting a date with Ben. Even Ben doesn't buy that. I mean, she's a person, not some sort of desperate little gratitude machine. That's a three, just because I think Amber is a little desperate herself.
1: Ben refers to the gift of looking at Lauren B. Oh, Ben, there are better things about Lauren than her looks. At least one would hope if you're (laughs) hoping to marry her. We're going to give that one a three.
2: And then Lauren H. knows that Ben just wants a wife who will be able to make friends with other soccer moms. We're giving that a 4.5 for the pretty obvious racial dog whistle, as well as the very retrogressive gender roles there.
1: Come on. The women talk shit about Olivia's toes and boobs and breath and whatever else they can find to pick her apart. We're going to give that a 4. Ganging up on other women and tearing them down based on their appearances is just not cool. Yeah, we're objectified enough. Thanks, guys. We don't need to do it to ourselves. (laughs) And finally,
2: this could have been the entire section, all of the racially charged microaggressions thrown Jubilee's way, calling her aggressive for giving Ben a relaxing, nurturing massage and saying there's a respectable way to get his attention again for giving him a nice, relaxing massage. We're giving that a five. Guys, not acceptable at all. The way they treated her this week was absolutely appalling.
1: And now for our Tweet of the Week. This one comes from Maxwell Strawn. At Maxwell Strawn. Ben is a hot, generic, plain, docile, unopinionated, and uninteresting human. But because he's a man, we love him. Yep, sounds about right. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Zach. And thanks to our producer, Caitlin Boguki and editor Nick Offenberg. Have you had a chance to find Here to Make Friends on iTunes?
2: If not, that's clearly the only reason that you haven't subscribed and given us a rating and review. A five-star rating. (laughs) Every time we get a new one, our show climbs the iTunes chart, which helps other people discover our show, which is pretty much a public service.
1: You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. Or send us an email here to make friends at HuffingtonPost.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.